0: scott is pretty unique among green lanterns he's not like a lot of the rest of the core as we know them so jason do you think he is stronger or weaker than the likes of hal jordan john stewart kyle rayner
1: well the honest answer to this question and i don't want to spoil too much that's going to happen in this episode later on depends on what version of alan scott are we talking about and which retconned version of alan scott we're talking about because Alan Scott, you know, he has his original Green Lantern powers, but there's also a time where Alan Scott had this magic-y thing inside his body, and if you're talking about that Alan Scott, then yes, he is a million times more powerful, (laughs) but if we're just talking about guy that made a green ring kind of Alan Scott then the answer is also yes, because he's magic.
0: So I think what we're getting at is it's about to be retcon central. So what a perfect way to say hello and welcome to Geek History Lesson. I'm Ashley Victoria Robinson. And
1: I'm Jason, confused by retcons in men. Welcome to Geek History Lesson. This is the podcast where we talk about one character, one construct in pop culture and tell you everything you need to know about him. And today we are talking about Alan Scott. The first, the original, the golden age, Green Lantern. Alan Scott colon the Green Lantern. Mister with a red shirt and a big green collar, Alan Scott.
0: Yes, giving very uh, theater director,
1: Are you say, oh, Alan are, Scott. Are you saving this cost uh, discussion? Are we going to talk about his costume? No, you you, we
0: can do it right now. Right I, out I, I have no costume talking in the notes. What do you
1: think about this guy's costume? Okay, he has a red puffy shirt. Yeah. He has uh, purple pants. Yep. Yeah a big high collar, high pointy collar. Mm -hmm. And then I believe he has, um, help me out. Uh, what are the boots that have straps that go crisscross back and forth? You know, um, you sometimes see them. No, um, you, you see them in like, uh, you know, in bad 1930s movies where they're trying to portray Egyptians.
0: Oh, um, I don't know if I know, I don't know if those are what they're called except boots.
1: I don't know how to look those up either. It's fine. It's fine. He's got, he's got some fancy oh, boots. Oh, what plebeians we are. Yes, indeed. Uh, so what do you think about this costume?
0: No, um, it's ridiculous. It's patently ridiculous. Like I said, he looks like he's auditioning for a community theater production of, uh, Phantom of the Opera. And, uh.
1: Google is not helpful. It's to fine. It's
0: fine. I. I mean, I like. Please it. email it. I like it because it's iconic. Yeah. You always know that that's that sure is Alan yeah. Scott uh, then the Nicholas Scott redesign is my preferred Alan Scott costume
1: oh the way she took some inspirations from Kingdom Come
0: yeah he's real he's
1: real yeah. sexy in right. that version Kingdom Come is his best uh, costume let's move on yeah. was this lesson suggested by anybody else
0: it was suggested by actually several many people oh
1: several many Um, right. so
0: shout out to our TAs on this episode who include at Keeks on camera Jake Hefner at Pillowkinmaster, master at gray weed at Talon 788 at ultimate underscore Lance Steve Johnson Elliot Troy at Danny W. Hui and at Psycho Red. Thank you for
1: requesting Alan Scott. And if you want to be like those people, you just got to go over to uh, at GHL podcast. Or at Facebook.com slash GeekHestfulLesson and send us your request and uh, maybe we'll add you to this list of cool people.
0: Yes, please please do. In fact, uh, yeah. it's really it's also very satisfying where we get to take a character like this who's been on our list of like 800 topics for several mm-hmm. years and finally, finally give them their due. So
1: and we should just mention beep, 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 You can read it in the title of this episode, but we do have a special guest yes. for this episode. That It's not coming till later. Mr. Tim Sheridan mm-hmm. of the DC animated fame, who has written lots of DC animated films, but he's the current writer in Alan Scott. Yeah. And we thought we're going to pick his brain about Alan Scott because he's got a cool new uh, miniseries. Should be an ongoing series. Yes. But miniseries It'll about, get there. It'll get there. about Mr. Alan Scott and uh, he's going to be our special guest. So stay tuned till the end of this episode to listen to our lovely discussion with Mr. Tim Sheridan.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a super fun, happy time. But yeah. in order to get there, we've got to start at the beginning. It's a very good place to start. So Jason, let's start with the Cent Origin. Tell the nice people what that is.
1: Yes, that is where you go to a pop culture themed cocktail party in Gotham City because that's where Alan Scott's from. Bet you didn't know that. Spoilers. Um,
0: not to I'm um, actually you. That's it's not correct. Yeah, it's a retcon, probably. It's not. Cor- no, nope, not in his original appearance. Because I'm going to talk about where he's from. Well,
1: he is a hero of Gotham City. I'm just throwing y- it out
0: yes, there. Yes, but that's Anyways, not where he's originally. Well, from. We're,
1: this cocktail party is in Gotham um, City, and, um, actually, and the people of Gotham City are asking about Alan Scott. And now, this is where you're going to tell them all about it. Alan just a brief Scott.
0: Version a.k.a. Green Lantern, a.k.a. Sentinel, a.k.a. Man of Green, a.k.a. White King. That feels like a racist name. A.k.a. Keeper of the Starheart, a.k.a. Green Gladiator, a.k.a. Emerald Crusader, a.k.a. Emerald Gladiator, a.k.a. Jade Knight, a.k.a. Green Champion. Pick a name, Alan. Yeah, uh, I will say... The person who updated the two or three pages that I pulled notes from is obviously an Alan Scott super fan because there was a lot of information some for of this the, character.
1: Yeah, some of those are just nicknames. Yeah, I'm just gonna say yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, Mostly, he's AKA Green Lantern and Sentinel. Those are the only ones I we're met really him as Sentinel
1: when I first started reading. Oh, glowy, sorry. With his
0: glowy hands. ahead. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, is a DC Comics metahuman superhero, born a human with uh, later enhanced abilities, created by Martin Nodell. N o d e l l. And Bill Finger. Bill Finger, the guy who created everything you like about Batman. and Robin. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, his first appearance is in All-American Comics, number 16, in July of 1940. He's an OG OG uh, American superhero. His team affiliations have been the Justice Society of America, Checkmate, the All-American Squadron, Sentinels of Magic, and the Justice League. Now, his abilities. This is why I wanted to start out by asking do you think he's kind of more or less powerful than maybe some of the more mainstream but Green he's Lanterns? a magic he's a magic man yeah and his power set this is this is how i know a true fan wrote this i think this is every power he's ever been ascribed since the 1940 okay his powers include decelerated aging driving not a superpower Martial arts. Tell that to
1: Formula One. Not a superpower. I'll say it with my full chest, not a superpower. Tell that to Formula One. Uh, you're not superheroes. Tell that to the fine makers of 4 v Ferrari.
0: Uh, your movie was really long and kind of dull. Uh, Star Starheart oh, Empowerment. Indomitable Will. Pocket Dimension Access. Will,
1: Indomitable, indomitable will. will. Indomitable
0: Will. Okay. Omnilingualism, which not for nothing, I think all the Green Lanterns have. Yep. Energy absorption, telekinesis, crystallization, force field generation, invisibility, light refraction, resurrection, electromagnetic scanning, time travel, holographic projection, energy homing beacon, chlorokinesis, power absorption, ring duplication, cold manipulation, phasing, energy manipulation, okay. energy okay. absorption, martial and mind okay. alterations, it, thought Alan. relay, immortality, will Stop empowerment, up, energy twin projection and absorption, and the emerald sight. Alan. Relax. Yeah. That's this, is what, off, you, this is what Retcons bit will get. you. Bit, bit of a, of a show fancy off. man there, yep. Mr. Alan Scott. Um, and he has been portrayed in live action. This so was something yep. I did not know. Uh none of the projects I'm gonna mention are struck work. They're mm-hmm. all already finished. Um Alan Scott is in a Smallville two part episode called Absolute Justice, portrayed mm-hmm. by an actor named Doug Pinton.
1: In like flashbacks, but yeah.
0: And Alan Scott also appears in the Stargirl pilot episode by an uncredited actor. Also a flashback. Who means that that's just an actor who showed up to set and they said, wear this costume. Fun fact. But I didn't know that he had appeared in yep. live action, even though I've seen the Stargirl He's, sort,
1: he's a guy that like walks through yeah. a yeah. frame. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 In, in both versions. Yeah, but yeah, you do see a man getting arrested in the Smallville episode, and that's supposed to be Alan Scott. Yeah, so um, well, he,
0: has, he has made it to live action, although I, I still think he's ripe for uh, future
1: adaptations. Fun fact, in the original draft of the script, Uh, by Mark Guggenheim of the Green Lantern movie, the 2011 Green Lantern movie Mm -hmm. by uh, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, Alan Scott was a character in that movie. Uh,
0: Alan Scott should have been a character in that movie. I don't know if he should have been a Green Lantern, uh, but he he should have been like a mentor type character. In the original
1: version of that script, he was sort of an FBI agent that kind of knew. Oh, that's kind of cool. He kind of knew what Green Lanterns were.
0: Oh, yeah, the guy with the the murder board. That's fun.
1: Not the guy with the murder board. He was just like, you know, think about him like he was like a man in black character Mm. who kind of had Dealt with aliens before and okay. sort of like showed up as an ally.
0: That's cool. I would yeah. like. I would like that. I don't know yeah. if it would have saved the movie, but no, uh, I, so. I would have been like, interesting. Would like to. Would like to see it. It
1: would have got a couple of claps when he said, "I'm Agent." Alan Scott. Yeah, exactly. You, you, people would have been like, woo!
0: Yeah, we would have been like, yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what well, was like, he said Stephen Strange. Yeah. Uh, so that is your ten cent Origin on Alan Scott. So why don't we roll right into the Meet Cute, which yes. again is Jason's favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> uh,
1: is it? Uh, you keep
0: jumping to it. You even alluded to it when we started the Tencent Origin I today. did.
1: Uh, this is the part where we still turn from romantic comedies, where we're going to tell how we first meted or cuted said character. Ashley, how did you meet Alan Scott? I'm very curious about this.
0: Uh, as long as I've known about Green Lanterns, I've always kind of known that Alan Scott was like the... Golden Age original Green Lantern. I will say that um, the first story that I read him in where he was more than just kind of a castaway supporting character was uh, the uh, New 52 Earth 2 series.
1: Yeah, he's a mean character there. Uh,
0: that I picked up because you told me about good. that series. Good book. Uh, you might have even told me about it on an episode of Geek History Lesson. You told me that that was a series where he came out as gay and it that is. Helena Wayne was Robin. So I said, I'll have that, please. Yes. Uh, so that's kind of where I really fell in love with the character um, and And it was where I also fell in love with Nicola Scott before I met her uh, in real life and then fell even more deeply in love with her.
1: Oh, name dropping there, huh?
0: Yeah. yeah, Yes, exactly. We talk about her a lot on this podcast. She's amazing. Jason, uh, you teased it earlier, but where did you meet in cute Alan Scott?
1: So I first met Alan Scott when he was a character called Sentinel. Um, He shows up in a very early issue of the Kyle Rayner Green Lantern run in the 90s. uh, Drawn by Daryl Banks. And written by uh, Ron Mars and Sentinel is sort of the exposition dump because up to that point, Kyle Rayner has no idea what the Green Lantern Corps. Mm -hmm. He doesn't even really know that he's he just knows that he's a Green Lantern. That's about all he knows. Yeah. And nobody has seen Hal Jordan for a long time. Alan Scott in this issue kind of shows up in this issue And using his magical powers kind of gives Kyle Mm -hmm. the entire history of the Green Lantern Corps. Mm -hmm. And then basically is like, oh, yeah. And this Hal Jordan guy went nuts and you have to stop him. You're the only one that can. Yeah. Yeah. And so he is sort of the Obi-Wan Kenobi, if you will, to Kyle Rayner. And he sh- keeps showing up in yeah. the run. So much to the point where uh, one of Kyle Rayner's girlfriends is Alan Scott's daughter. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about her very briefly. Uh, we should talk about her a lot. Uh, Jade, uh, uh, Jenny, is one of my favorite comic book characters. Uh, primarily because it's run. But I also, um, he also, I read a series that was from the early 90s of Justice Society of America miniseries, uh, drawn by the great Mike Parabolak mm-hmm. and Alan Scott is a big part of that. So
0: yes, that's when they were brought back from retirement.
1: Mm-hmm. So Alan Scott is he's sort of to me he's an Obi Wan Kenobi in the DCU, an,
0: an elder statesman of the DCU. Yes, he perhaps. Is. I,
1: I like his character. I like him more as Sentinel than Green Lantern. Because, oh, we'll
0: we'll get to that
1: discussion um, because I like I like the idea that he has kind of moved on
0: from Green Lantern from being
1: a Green Lantern. Yeah, yes, yeah. there's
0: also there's. There's too many ding-dang Green Lanterns. Well, also, his his, uh,
1: his Sentinel costume, I think, is pretty good.
0: I like the Sentinel costume, actually. It's a nice redesign. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, friends, Jason also teased at the top of this episode that we will be talking to Tim Sheridan yeah. later in the episode. And I want to let you know that if you are here as the Tim Sheridan stand, please don't forget to go over to pa- I am. Patreon. Well, I mean, I you and I
1: are both, which is. Well, no, that's the only reason I showed up today. I didn't. Is I, to talk to Tim. No, I don't. I, I
0: mean, I understand. I mean, I didn't
1: really want to record this episode, to be honest with you. I just want to talk to Tim. I knew Tim Sheridan was going to be here. So I'm here for Tim Sheridan. Okay, then. Is I, he here
0: right now? Uh, He's traditionally in the night. No. Nine. You know, have- here's a fun fact. We, we could. <laughs> (laughs) We really could. And he'd probably be a good smart about it. Um, But let's not do that. But let's not. He's in the waiting room of the Mind University. Okay, good. So I just want to tease. I'm only here for him. If you're only here for Tim Sheridan, I understand. He's a very lovable man. Uh, (laughs) I want to encourage you while you're waiting to go over to patreon.com slash jawin. That is J-A-W-I-I-N. Again, if you're only here for Tim Sheridan, you might know how to spell that. Yeah. Uh, We are going to have uh, an extra episode, an episode of our Geek History Lesson Extra Show with Tim, more Tim Sheridan talk exclusive to
1: the Patreon. Tim talking about his comic book career, comic books he wants to write, comic books that he wants to write in the future that you don't even know about. The
0: only place you can find it is if you go over to Patreon, and I'm I'm pretty confident you'll find some other stuff that you like over there, like Justice Pod, like the other episodes of GHL Extra, like the video series that Jason and I are creating there. But what
1: is that? What is that video series? You might want to tell. Oh,
0: well, it's called Inside the Podcast Studio, and Mm -hmm. it is. Well, we're
1: inside the podcast studio right now. We are. And why, why do they want to see that?
0: They want to see it because we have cool things in here like comic books and and action figures, and trivia games, and Diego Anthony Nunez, and we show all of those We do things. live
1: streams, we talk about st- yeah. our favorite comic books, our favorite like stories. We it's give a away very, a lot
0: of digital it's rewards all vi- for coming to watch. This is audio,
1: but that's all video. Yeah. That's the great thing about that. So um, You can see
0: intern Cat Brego there. You can see
1: intern Cat Brego, yeah. 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 It's very nice way to play. So thank you to all the super friends that support us. They're a main reason why this podcast has existed for almost 10 years. Woo. All the support over there. So if you want to come join the cool cats over at Patreon, patreon.com slash Check it out. And now it's time for the main meat of the lesson.
0: Yes, the History 101. Uh, This episode might as well be called Where... In the DC multiverse is Alan Scott, Green Lantern, because that's basically what we're going to be talking about for the next hour or so. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Yeah.
1: Did you, did, <laughs> do you do you? Uh, I mean, this is how much Carmen San Diego is where so much in my brain. Where in
0: time is Carmen San Diego? Yeah. Oh, that's it's what like I was where
1: to, in the world is so, Carmen San Diego? So what I know it from yeah. is from
0: uh, is from where in time is Carmen San Diego? Oh, the, did they change up the melody The game show? It's where in time is Carmen San Diego? Oh, so we're on the case and we're chasing her through okay, history. So you Correct. Hosted I'm sorry. by former GHL guest Kevin Schnick. Yeah. That's right. right. Uh, yeah, so that's what I was. Go- that's the reference. Oh, that I, I was going was for making. the OG yeah, one. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay, all right. Well, I'm a lot younger than you, so I'm going for the younger that's re- fair. For that's fair. show. I think that's almost 30 years hey, old.
1: I just said th- no. I just said <laughs> this on a, a, a recent episode of Jason and Jeremy John about Justice League. I said this. Uh, I'm I was born in 2005. So. Wow. Wow! I'm a young'un. Uh,
0: I got to take back some comments I made about Scott Pilgrim, if that's true.
1: <laughs> I'm a young'un. I'm yes. a spry young'un.
0: Spry, spry 20. Wait, you wouldn't even be 20 yet. That's yeah. upsetting. He's spry 18 years old. Martin Nodell.
1: Let's talk about um, Martin Nodell and Alan Scott. created
0: Green Lantern, the Green Lantern. Yes, After is. listening to Die Nibelung. if you are either mm-hmm. an opera fanatic yeah. or if you've been listening to this podcast for a couple of years, uh, you. You know that Die Nibelung is um, the Ring series German opera, the same opera that Danny Elfman literally stole the Batman theme from. Um, and then he saw a green railway lantern, a, a railway lantern that was painted green, and so he thought, "Let's smash those together and make superheroes." Mm-hmm. Die Nibelung, the Ring series, um, is uh, uh, a lot about magic. Yes. So that's that. So this inspired
1: them to make to, a, to make green a lantern. guy with a ring.
0: Yeah. So the character that Nodell created had a bunch of magical powers that were all derived from a magical green ring that needed to be recharged using a magical green lantern. And he stated that he chose the color green from inspiration in Greek mythology um, because green was a is a powerful character in a variety of myths. So he called up his friends at All Star Comics. Mm hmm. Was Not DC Comics. Yeah. Oh, sorry, All-American Comics. Mm-hmm. All-American Comics. And he said, and I quote, When I sent it in, I waited into the second week before I heard a word to come back in. I was ushered into Mr. Max Gaines's office, publisher, and after sitting a long time and flipping through the pages of my presentation, he announced, we like it, and then get to work. And I did the first five pages of an eight-page story, and then they called in Bill Finger to help. We worked on it for seven years, all the way to 1947.
1: Mm-hmm. All American Comics again is like one of the companies that will become DC Comics.
0: Yes, um, in the same way that Timely Comics eventually becomes Marvel. Marvel Comics. Uh, Fawcett Comics is another one that eventually gets uh, well. Folded that's in, a
1: different. Don't get that. Don't get that mixed DC. in here. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's
0: all to say before. DC was DC before mm-hmm. it was even detective comics. There were other comics. Before
1: it was a twinkle in anyone's eye.
0: It was called all American comics, which honestly feels like all it should have American published comics. Um, Archie comics instead yep. of Alan Scott comics. But here we are. You
1: better salute the flag when you read these comics, boy.
0: Oh boy. Oh boy. Let's not, let's not go down that road yep. at all. Um,
1: you better, you better enjoy them hot dogs while you're in, while you're reading this comic. Yeah. Who I do enjoy a good hot dog. So <laughs> yeah, we know you're all American. That's how we are. 100% all American. Absolutely not so we had the
0: name green lantern and martin odell was like hmm what is his normal human person name and i'm gonna tell you how we got to the name alan scott right after this we're back ghl talking alan scott green the lantern jason you're a writer when you're trying to name a character how do you go about deciding how you're going to name them
1: uh i usually look for meanings behind names mm-hmm. or uh, to be honest with you, sometimes if I just think that that's a funny name, I'm going to make that the character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so,
0: mm-hmm. well, Martin O'Dell flipped through a New York city phone book until he found two names he liked.
1: There you go. It's, it's an easy way to do it too. Alan yeah. Scott. Sometimes it just sounds good.
0: Thus. Alan Ian Fleming Scott took James Bond from a book that was bored. on a shelf. Yeah, well, he stole that. Uh, Green Lantern appeared. So did they stole Alan Scott's
1: name, too? Well,
0: not the full name. That's he, true. He, he didn't Alan read an
1: article. He, picked... about, he didn't read about a murder victim named Alan Scott. It was like, that's Green that's, Lantern. That's
0: it. <laughs> uh, Green Lantern appeared in All-American Comics in July of 1940, and then uh, All-Star Comics number 3 in Winter of 1940, where he made his debut as a member of the Justice Society yeah. of America. So, less than six months old, and he, he's already he's already on a super team. And by issue seven, of uh, All-Star Comics. So four issues after he debuted, he was the second chairman of the team. Uh, then he promptly quit the team. And then he rejoined following a five-year absence. So Green Lantern and the Justice Society didn't uh, didn't necessarily get along super, super well in the beginning.
1: Guess he wasn't that all-American, was he?
0: There you go. Uh, some of Alan Scott's earliest villains include Vandal Savage and Solomon Grundy, who during the Golden Age is just a straight-up zombie, is not I, necessarily as sophisticated as he is in I Batman I knew now.
1: Solomon Grundy was- was one of his I didn't. villains
0: didn't um mm-hmm. I thought that was super super fascinating by 1941 one years old Green Lantern was a bona fide hit and moved on to his own series yeah so Jason this is where I ask you even though we've already argued about what was this the year again 1941 thank you uh what city is Alan Scott based in
1: well, I will say this time I don't know if Batman was based in Gotham City, so uh, I don't. I have no idea. I have no idea. Think, think Marvel Comics more than DC Comics. New York, New
0: York City. Ah,
1: what a fake! Greatest name. Greatest city what a, in the world. What a fake name for a city.
0: What a fake name for a city. Yeah, new York. That's not
1: real. That's definitely made up.
0: New York City. So, Alan Scott not only was a New Superhero. He got a new city, he got a new book, and he got a new sidekick. Jason, do you know the name of Alan Scott's sidekick? Torchy. It's Doiby Dickles, D-O-I-B-Y-D-I-C-K-L-E-S, who's a fat New York City taxi driver. Hey, don't
1: body shame this man.
0: The, that is the official character description. Fat? fat, yes. Okay. Um All I right. think it's kind of giving Bibbo Babowski, I'm not going to lie. A little bit. Um, he also gets a dog sidekick. Good
1: for him. What's the dog's name?
0: Okay, I was going to ask. What kind you, of dog is do, this? Do you have a, um, um, he's kind of like a little German Shepherd.
1: Oh, uh-huh, interesting. Do you
0: have a guest? Do, do you know the name of the dog? By any I
1: chance? don't. I don't know. I didn't know the green, uh, Alan Scott had any sidekicks. I'm going to say the name of the dog is Furry Boy.
0: It's Streak, a.k.a. Streak the Wonder Dog. So if you're wondering where Streaky the Cat came from. Okay. Perhaps
1: Streaky the Wonder Guy, yeah.
0: Streak was so popular, he got his own series. Good for (laughs) that guy. In January, by the way, of this year, the year of our Lord that we are recording this podcast, and our Lord, of course, being Loki. Um the first appearance of Streak the Wonder Dog sold at the Heritage Auctions for $780. $780. Yeah,
1: so yeah. it's not that highly valued. No, but it I but it was a Heritage
0: that. auction. That's so fair. like it's slabbed, it's graded. Let's get um a- this issue was is also quite notable for Alex Toth doing the interior art luminary oh, artist, luminary yeah. artist. Um so l- if they ever do an Alan Scott adaptation, I'm betting Streak is going to be going to be part of it. Fun fact, Streak's uh, name was quickly changed in his bi-monthly series, not a monthly series, twice a month, uh, to Rex, to a normal dog name. So mm-hmm. as a result, there's this canon that Rex is his, like, government name and
1: Streak is his
0: superhero name. I
1: like it. <laughs> Does he also wear a mask? <laughs> when he's going, he wears a cape. Oh, but he should wear a mask because otherwise the otherwise the dogs will know what he looks like.
0: Uh, the other dogs will <laughs> know <laughs> yeah, what he looks like. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, they can't know what he is That <laughs> Streak.
0: Um, it's, look, Look, if you were kind of wondering, like, this is this feels like a soft launch for crypto. Uh, a I'm bit. not going to lie. A little bit.
1: And Ace the Bat Hound. I mean, uh, of dogs, course. Yeah. Pets are popular in comics. I I,
0: di- I literally didn't know that Alan Scott A had a sidekick or B had a dog. Streak this the Wonder this dog. was truly delightful to me personally. All
1: American comics is all about dogs, you see. I get
0: it. Dogs are, dogs
1: are very. Eat your hot dog.
0: Except they picked a German Shepherd. They literally picked a Nazi dog during the height well, of I mean, Nazism. On,
1: America. Step on next, you know, dogs.
0: It, I mean, he should be a golden retriever, but uh, Alan Scott remained popular until 1948, when post-World War II superheroes declined in popularity, only to re- be replaced by Westerns as the yes. most popular storytelling tropes across pretty much all mediums. His final appearance throughout the Golden Age was in All-Star Comics number 58, published in 1951. Alan Scott was then completely gone from all publication for 12 years.
1: Most of the golden age people. He took
0: a 12 year nap and did not get another solo series until this year, until October 2022 at the time of this recording. Then in 1959, so eight years after Mm -hmm. uh, Julius Schwartz, Luminary DC editor reinvented Green Lantern as a science fiction hero Mm -hmm. named Hal Jordan. He's a pilot. The two characters are not tied together or interconnected in any way shape or form. Alan Scott has nothing to do with Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern or Hal Jordan's story when he debuts Mm -hmm. because this is only nine years later and Alan Scott is asleep for 12 years. This is
1: the thing that kicks off the the Silver Age of comic books is actually when they renamed the Flash um, and they just took all the names of the previous characters and just assigned them the new. So that's why you have a Green Lantern that is now a space cop. Mm -hmm. He's not a magical Mm guy. You have a Speedster in a, in a in a red suit that doesn't look like the guy with the the helmet. It, yeah. is, it was a smart. It's a smart business idea.
0: I just think it's so interesting that they it created they legacy didn't Just make Alan Scott
1: the Green Lantern. Young
0: and different. They made yep. it a completely different character. Yeah,
1: I think they maybe just didn't want any time. They didn't want to pay no royalties again, they created honest. this weird legacy in the DC yeah. Universe yeah. of these, like, Silver age characters. It's actually kind of surprising that it hasn't happened again. Like That, like, 20 years down the road from Hal Jordan's introduction, they just didn't, like, completely just take yeah, the name yeah, and yeah, make yeah, a yeah. brand new character. And now we have 75 Green Lanterns. Now we have 75 Green Lanterns and Alan Scott.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Alan Scott actually doesn't re-enter the DC Comics game until The Flash, number 137, in 1963. The year of the Avengers, the year of Doctor Who, big nerd year 1963. Uh, In order to avoid confusion between Alan Scott and Hal Jordan from this point forward, all of his previous stories are retconned as having taken place on Earth too because dc loves a multiverse he kind of bums around the silver age relegated to annuals where the justice league and the justice society crossover um, and cameo appearances kind of as editors and writers see fit and it's not until 1981 with the launch of the all-star squadron title that alan scott kind of gets up to very much Mm -hmm. um one all-star squadron all-time great name for a super team, I think. I really think that name is underused. I would love to see it pop up more in the DC universe. I just think it sounds so
1: cool. Are we also going to mention Infinity Inc. anytime in here?
0: Uh, I was not planning to mention them at all. So if you would like
1: to oh. bring them up, you're well, welcome Infinity to. Inc. is sort of like a team of a lot of the Golden Age heroes' kids.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
1: including Jade and Obsidian, Alan Scott's son and daughter. Yes,
0: I am going to get to Jade mm. I'm not going to talk about Jade very much at all because I don't like her. Mm. Um, And this is an Alan Scott lesson, and people can request a Jade lesson if they want to. The other thing I want to say particularly about Alan Scott and the Golden Age characters throughout the Silver Age, what's interesting about the Silver Age is if you are not one of the main stay Justice League characters, you are sort of relegated to like, you kind of show up and you mm-hmm. do a thing and then you maybe go away for three years or five, like Black Canary this happens to. Um, so don't feel too bad for Alan Scott. This is like fairly typical treatment of supporting cast DC characters at this time. Now, Jason. Yes. You're in charge of DC Comics. I am. You're going to completely erase these Golden Age characters and you're going to bring in these new sexy Justice League characters. So okay. my question is, and we've sort of alluded to this, why bring them back at all? Should Julie Schwartz have just left Alan Scott and Jay Garrick and Wesley Dodds back in the World War II era? Like, should they have been revived or
1: is it confusing? So here's the reality of it. Yeah. It's not confusing at all. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that every, the idea that he initially did was the idea that like on Thanksgiving, the Justice League was going to have a hangout mm-hmm. with their Earth 2 buds, which was the Justice Society. Yep. Now, for a once-in-a-while thing, mm-hmm. great idea. Yep. It'll boost sales, yep. and if anybody remembers those older heroes, they'll come buy it.
0: Or you could get new fans interested in, in either yep. side of that
1: equation. The problem is, is that, again, I don't know who it is, but eventually a writer came along and was like, what if these characters were around all the time? Oh, well, I will tell you exactly when that happened. Um, And that's that's where we start getting into territory of, oh, they should have stayed dead. Yeah, they should have gone away again. Showing up once in a while, like it's very similar to if you watch Doctor Who.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: You don't want to see the previous doctor's. In every single episode. You want to see them when it matters. Mm-hmm. And when it's special. Mm-hmm. Because if you see them in every episode. Then it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And it also becomes super convoluted. Yeah. So that is my opinion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: On these characters. And I kind of think like. What they are currently doing. In say comics. Uh, at the time of this recording. Is the right move to be like. No we're just going to publish stories with them but if they're set back in their original time. Yeah, with time. the new
0: golden age. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. they are
1: not alive or around yeah. in the modern day.
0: So that's another reason why I picked to talk about All-Star Squadron instead of Infinity, Inc. Because All-Star Squadron was the they're first- They're kind of the same team. They are. I just like also like the name All-Star Squadron. But All-Star oh, Squadron
1: like
0: specifically um, keeps these characters in World War II, tells their stories yep. during World War II. It's one of DC's um, first kind of modern- Forays into historical fiction. And that is where, because I do like Alan Scott. I do like Mm Jake Erick. I do like Wesley Dodds. I do like the original Black Canary, which gets confused because there's a mom and a daughter and they look the same. Um, But I do think that there is something about them versus some other characters where they just work better as part of this period in history. Yeah, and it's Um, an odd... And I think this was a really smart thing to have done with them at the time.
1: And it's an odd thing, for them to just be palling around with Superman.
0: Yeah. It's like, think about the losers. You're like, well, I don't want the losers in modern day Gotham.
1: Well, it would be, I hate to say, it, even though, again, I know Superman and these characters are, you know, from the sixties or, yeah. or Superman is or an old school. Batman's an old school. Wonder Woman's an old school, but I'm just saying it's, and I know that they have sort of transcended, right? Yes. And actually, the argument should be, well, why are Batman and Superman remembered and Wonder Woman remembered? Because they're the same age as well, Scott. Well, Jason,
0: as you know, the old versions of them are living on Earth, too. Yes, which I Which is a whole other can of worms from, uh, a,
1: di- from a different episode. I understand. I understand. <laughs> um, you know, and I'm also trying not to bring up any ageism. But Yes, like, of course. Um, you know, because I've just said my preferred method would be to just that they they redo these names over 20 years. Mm-hmm. That seems to make the most sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I don't know. I don't, I just, I don't like them in the modern day. I just don't, I just don't. Uh,
0: don't, It's just not the vibe, right? Like they are of a time period in a way that not every other character is, but this sort of JSA core group very much is. I like
1: my favorite version of them is there is a version that you'll get to is where they start teaching the younger heroes. And that's the version where I'm like, Oh, this works.
0: Yeah. That's actually one of my favorite Jake Erick's Mm -hmm. is when he kind of takes on a professorial
1: Mm -hmm. tone.
0: Uh, then Crisis on Infinite Earths happens. Mm-hmm. Jason, what's Crisis on Infinite Earths?
1: Well, Crisis on Infinite Earths completely ruined Alan's. No, it was, it's, <laughs> it's, it's going to complicate Alan's got quite a bit because this was the storyline where the DC editors uh, in the role of the fictional character the Anti Monitor came throughout the DC multiverse and basically destroyed every DC multiverse because it was confusing. Yeah, they claimed it was confusing, yep. and them in the role of the Anti Monitor ate all the universes until there was only one universe, and now it was the thing to say that every thing that happened in DC comics only ever happened on this earth. And guess that, guess what that does to all the world war two characters. It basically says you can't exist.
0: Yeah. So post-crisis Alan Scott suddenly lives on the same earth as Hal Jordan for the first time since Hal Jordan was introduced in, in publication history up to this point. Um, and, and, it, and it's and it's so messy that DC publishes a book the next year called The Last Days of the Justice yes. Society, which basically exists so that DC can say that the JSA are forever trapped in an extra-dimensional realm that will never, ever come back for real, for real, for real, forever, forever. Until they come back. And it's comics, so that you yeah. know that's not true or but this was, key history
1: lesson would be over right was, now. But that was that was them trying to correct the how the hell are these characters around.
0: Instead of them just simply saying which is what they should have done. And I know our Alan Scott stands are going to be mad. They should have just said like, Oh, the JSA characters don't come to the new universe. Like they are like blipped out of existence.
1: See, I'm going to be even worse on this. Go for it. I think the solution is they're dead.
0: Yeah. I mean,
1: I hate to yeah. say, it, but to just be like at the time of our universe now,
0: they, they old, they were old I, then they're old now. They've retired yeah, yeah. or
1: they're dead. Yeah. They lived in World War II. <laughs> well, we don't. Yeah, we don't
0: let. Well, th- that's yeah. why we come. We're gonna get. We're gonna get to Alan Scott's powers. It's the eventually. same. It's the but, same but problem. This is how they say Alan Scott has so, like anti-aging, yeah. or he's at this point he's got to be immortal. Well, if he's an adult in World War II,
1: it's the same with Nick Fury. Yeah, Nick Fury fought in World War II with Captain America, but he's still paling around modern day. Yeah,
0: but they Marvel teases that out with Nick Fury. and Nick Fury, June.
1: I know, I know, but he also has like an immortality serum. Yeah, thing, yeah. Uh, Everyone's a, everyone's a GD super uh, yes. super soldier it's in fact, Marvel. It's, it's that it's that it's that problem of we never in an, an ongoing mediums and storytelling perpetual
0: second acts. yes yeah, we, yeah. Don't wanna, we
1: don't want to we don't want to sideline any character in case we could use them again
0: yeah um and the problem so putting is putting them now, in this hell dimension continuity but hell, that was them yeah. to be
1: like okay if we put them off the board yeah. they can still be around for stories but they won't be palling around because the big thing yeah. after christ on infant earth was dc said superman is the first superhero yeah it is superman yeah um, so like if these characters existed, people don't remember them because they got shunted off this other dimension that like changes memories, I think, is what yeah, they said, or yeah, something like that. Yeah yeah. yeah.
0: yeah, and and Alan Scott is one of the only characters who kind of has memory bleed throughs. Alan Scott is one of the only characters who seems to have easy access out of this extra dip. Mm-hmm. so these this is just sort of adding to that cavalcade of powers that we talked about in the Ten Cent Origin. So they're in this uh extra-dimensional pocket universe uh forever. They're never ever coming back for real, for real, forever. Forever, forever, Jason. How long do you think that lasts for? Five years, three years. Oh, okay, exactly. Three I knew it years. wasn't long,
1: I knew yeah. it wasn't long.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so before we move on from that, I do want to uh, fill in a little bit of some uh something else that Alan Scott did in the 80s. In the 80s, Alan Scott married his former, uh, ne- reformed former nemesis Molly Maine, also mm-hmm. known as the Harlequin, which, if you're a Harley Quinn fan, feels a little prophetic. Uh, they reconcile. And he has a son and a daughter. Twins. Jason, who is his daughter? Jade. Do you know Jade's uh, government name?
1: Uh, Jenny.
0: Jennifer Lynn Hayden. Yep. That's yep. right. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. You said it earlier, so I knew you at least. Well, knew and her, her f- brother's
1: Todd. Yeah, and he's Obsidian.
0: He's Obsidian. Yeah.
1: Uh, we're mostly going to talk about Jade. So she. So so you see, it's interesting. Yeah. They're twins. So her powers are bright lights yeah like she like she basically has green lantern powers naturally yes almost yeah and his powers are darkness
0: yeah the, as twins yep. they're a well-constructed duo
1: yeah so he turns the light but off I of think, places
0: i think they kind of do nothing i think obsidian's kind of a wasted character
1: they do a lot with obsidian in the kyle rayner run but yes. the problem is that obsidian very quickly becomes an unstable villain so he's best for own
0: i know well that's what i mean like i still think yeah. I still think he's a cool character you could do cool stuff with. He's got a
1: cool costume. He does. Very George, cool George Perez costume. Uh,
0: Well, I mean, all George Perez costumes are are cool. It's just Mm -hmm. a lot. So Jennifer Lynn Hayden, AKA Jade, is the daughter of Alan Scott. Um, Future
1: girlfriend of um, Kyle Rayner.
0: Future girlfriend of Kyle Rayner. Todd Rice is uh, Obsidian. Mm -hmm. Um, Alan, I'm sad to tell you, is a bit of an absentee father. Of course he is. Yeah, I knew that. Why? Of course he is.
1: (laughs) Because he's a superhero. Most superheroes are absentee fathers, except for Superman, who's a Uh, great father. Yeah. And you, the best father, you know, everybody wants Superman as a dad. Everybody.
0: I mean, yeah, <laughs> you you know, you make a really you make a really solid and upsetting point. Sorry, uh, do you think Batman's Superman, not wait, a good dad. Let's think about this. But Batman's got more children. Batman yeah. got like twelve progeny. I know. I know. Um,
1: do I think Superman's a good dad? You think 100%. Superman's a better
0: dad than Batman? One hundred percent. I know, but yes. Batman, Batman like made Dick Grayson. You yeah? know. Accidentally. Yeah, you're right. You're right.
1: Accidentally. Like Superman, not is, on purpose. Superman is a very
0: present father. Yeah. 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 Um, so Alan Scott, sad face, bit of an absentee dad, but um, like don't fear because in the mid aughts, when Jeff Johns kind of gets in charge of the whole Green Lantern universe, he steps up into more of a mentorship role, um, with Jade and a lot of other youngsters coming up. And he I would say he does make up for lost time, but it is worth noting that uh he's not the best daddy at all times. Jade uh does die. But in fairness, in, in fairness, <laughs> Alan Scott has also died. More than uh, once. Who among DC comic superheroes hasn't died at more this than point once. in publication? History. Yeah, at this point
1: more than once.
0: Um, that is all I had planned to say about Jade That's and Obsidian. Me. Okay, I didn't yep. know if there was anything else you no. wanted to bring up before we move on. She's a nice she's, this is the she's
1: Kyle Rainer's Trulove. That
0: is so wrong and I don't like that she's green. Nope. It makes me so mad.
1: Nope. She's Kyle Rainer's True Love.
0: No. Saronik Natsu is right there.
1: No, not not. He'll never fall in love with a brood of Sinestro.
0: How how a brood that is so <laughs> rude?
1: That's what they call him on Korugar. Cancelable.
0: It's the year. She's
1: fictional. How can <laughs> I be cancelable for that? Uh, She's also an alien. Look, She's, we have
0: an action figure of one of those two she, ladies, and it's not Jade. Because
1: they've never made a Jade action figure. <laughs> I, okay, they have absolutely, but not in a green Jade light. We're not, this is Daisy too far down the comics. rabbit hole. We're not doing this. They
0: have absolutely made, but
1: not in her cool costume. That's um, probably
0: not they've made at least th- I can look at four I can't right believe you're now.
1: wasting time with us just move on
0: 1990 it's the year of our lord Loki 1990 fans miss the golden age characters they've been away for three whole years they're clamoring for Alan Scott Jay Garrick and Wesley Dodds to be brought back from wherever it is that is they've been <sighs> shunted off to I guess I think like eight people wrote letters. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And in order to do this, um, I think the
1: editors missed them. I think that's one of those.
0: Oh, that's usually how it goes. Um, Alan Scott is brought back into mainstream continuity. And he's, um, Hello. Quite old compared yeah, to a lot age. of a lot of the, the contemporary D.C. superheroes, are, age, our young yeah. hot guy. He is stamped as a veteran of World War II for the first time. Okay. And it is stated that he has a prolonged lifespan through the power of his particular Green Lantern ring, which is different than uh, Hal and Scott and everybody yes. else's Green Lantern ring. Jason, how do you feel about Alan Scott retconned as a veteran? Because for me, um, I would say until the current run, he doesn't give Soldier Boy vibes really...
1: It's just because they. It's again. It's the trope of we have to give him some relation to the big war. Yeah. To make him tough. Um. I'm gonna. Sorry. I'm gonna ask this question here. I don't know how. Where did he get his Green Lantern ring? Have we covered this? Did we okay. talk about this? We are so, pretty far into this so, lesson, and we have not talked about how he made this. This is the thing.
0: time where I would like. Like my li- my notes literally say. I would like to take this time to explain to everyone
1: how Alan Scott's brand of Green Lantern powers work. I was like, we we waited quite a long time into this lesson, so please tell us. Uh, yes.
0: So. Here's the thing.
1: It depends,
0: is the answer to all of On
1: this. On which red, red, red con? Y-
0: yes. So I am trying to, I wanted to give you a little bit of a flavor of who Alan Scott was before I got into, it. I'm trying to cover as, m- uh, I'm trying to give you the most comprehensive explanation of his powers as possible. Because mm-hmm. they're really, really confusing. it's been changed a
1: million times. Yes. yes. So
0: the official, and I quote, From DC Comics, explanation is, quote, Scott uses his ring to fly, walk through solid objects, and to move through the fourth dimension, paralyze or blind people temporarily, hypnotize them, create rays of energy, melt metal as a blowtorch, and cause dangerous objects to glow, among other things. It could allow him or others to time travel. That is the official explanation for how... Uh, how Alan Scott's powers work. Unlike other characters named Green Lantern, Alan Scott's power does not come from the Guardians of the Universe. It comes from the Starheart. We joked about that at the beginning, and I mentioned it briefly in the Tense on Origin. The Starheart is, through a series of retcons and complicated explanations, a magical entity that was once imprisoned by the Guardians of the Universe. So it is tied to mm. Green Lantern lore, but it is not... It's not part of the Hal Jordan brand of DC Green Lantern lore. Starheart mysticism. Okay. The mystical power of the Starheart, an ancient artifact trapped by the guardians of the universe. Starheart is capable of many mystical powers that include, but aren't limited to the following eternal youth. The artifacts of mystical properties also imbue one with seemingly internal eternal youth. So he has this Green Lantern ring, and this Green Lantern battery that are powered by the Starheart, as opposed to the big battery on Oa, it's a magical thing, which means it can kind of do whatever they want, depending on your continuity of choice. Where the Green Lantern, yeah, ring how does he get this thing? Comes from either it's usually he finds it
1: somewhere. See, I always understood that he found it inside a meteorite.
0: So usually he finds it somewhere. It's usually inside a meteorite or a piece of a star or something that fell from the sky, uh, which is kind of different but similar to how 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 Hal Jordan got his ring. But it it, did not like fly to him or choose him. He finds it. He finds the battery, and he kind of has to stumble through integrating with the
1: Star. And he weirdly fashions it into a lantern and into a ring
0: exactly so there's alan scott
1: calling right now
0: it's alan scott being like you're getting this mostly correct um like hal jordan and the other green lanterns alan scott's green lantern abilities do have a weakness so hal jordan's weakness is the color yellow because in that version um yellow is fear jason do you know what alan scott's would it is wood. So canonically. Yep.
1: yep. You can shoot him with an arrow and he'll die.
0: Uh, Alan Scott's weakness to wood stemmed from his subconscious belief that his power couldn't affect this material. Why? That is the in canon reason. I don't accept that. Mama, I'm afraid of trees. Mama, I don't think I can block a tree. Uh, the way that I've always justified it in my head canon is because I've always known that his Green Lantern, and his, specifically his Green Lantern battery He's design. He's
1: afraid of Groot's. Yeah.
0: <laughs> No, um, <laughs> because it's based on a train. That's a piece of technology. So I've always assumed that he has a harder time fighting organic material because his powers come from inorganic sources. But there's really like it's it's kind of one of those. It's always it's like been that way. It's like and it's, it, it's It's
1: kind of a goofy version, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's something that um, that we should that we should sort of wrap up. So now. I'm going to talk to you about Alan Scott's era as Sentinel. Jason's been waiting this whole episode to talk about it. And we're going to do that right after this. Geek History lesson. We were back talking about Sentinel. Wait, what? A.K.A. Alan Scott, who's sometimes a Green Lantern. So in the 90s, they brought back Alan Scott and he was very, very old. And DC editors had the perpetual fear of their audience, not understanding their increasingly confusing continuity. They simply could not have too many Green Lanterns. Kyle Rayner's on the horizon, so they call Alan Scott Sentinel. As Sentinel, Alan Scott doesn't channel his power through his ring. Instead, his hands glow and the power of the star heart is like inside him. It's in his own heart. Well, I
1: always understood this as the idea was that similar to how Lex Luthor got cancer from his kryptonite mm-hmm. ring. The idea is that Alan wore this piece of the Starheart meteorite for so long and it, that he just it absorbed it, him. that he didn't yep. need the ring anymore. Yes,
0: exactly. But also it's because DC didn't want well, this him was, to be a Green Lantern. This anymore. was
1: around the time where Hal Jordan murdered the Green Lantern Corps. Mm-hmm. And at the time they went down this line, which I think is really smart, that Kyle was the only Green Lantern. Yes. So they didn't want Alan Scott out there also being called Green Lantern.
0: Yes. And he was already removed enough from continuity. Um, I think he should have stayed Sentinel.
1: I agree. It's so, a cooler name.
0: Uh, Throughout the. Also
1: fits in with his railroad engineer background.
0: Yeah, it's also sort of vaguely militaristic, right? So you kind of get to nod back to that. But it's also just a name that 85 Mm -hmm. other dudes don't have Mm -hmm. in DC continuity. And if you're going to celebrate these Golden Age characters by keeping them in your continuity, why would you not... Let them stand alone as individuals. Well, it
1: starts to invalidate the idea of a secret identity because then it's like every time you get in one of these meetings, if you have multiple green lanterns, multiple flashes, they're just going to call each other by their names out in public. They're going to be like, Hey, Jay Garrick," Hey, Alan Scott.
0: People are going to go, Hey, flash. They're going to go, Hey, Wally. And he wears a
1: mask. Yeah. He wears a mask. He wears a domino mask. Yeah. Alan Scott. Yeah. So if he didn't care about his identity, he wouldn't wear a mask. Yeah. He clearly cares a lot about his identity. Uh,
0: He remains Sentinel until JSA number 50 in 2003, when he simply becomes Green Lantern again and gets his Green Lantern ring back. Yep. Um, Throughout the aughts, Sentinel does appear in both JSA and JLA books. He appears a lot in the Kyle uh, Green Lantern series, Mm -hmm. which Jason's already talked about. But he, you know, doesn't get a solo series. He doesn't lead a team. He's a co lead of the JSA. So he's kind of in the 90s and the aughts falling back into the role that he fell into during the Silver Age, where he's just a cameo character. But I do want to talk about his involvement in Blackest Night. Dun, dun, dun. You know, the big, uh, suddenly there's Black Lantern rings and zombies are being brought back and
1: stuff. Well, there's Black Rings that be- bring heroes back from the dead. And yes. they're and they're zombies. That's the event.
0: Uh, we have a six episode podcast series and a twelve episode video series on Patreon called Blackest Night Club. Mm-hmm. So I thought I thought we could just talk about
1: episodes episodes on this podcast actually are called that. And you just gotta go back and look for them.
0: That's why I said six episodes of the podcast yeah. are called Blackest Night Club. So I thought we would just talk about him in Blackest Night. He is unfortunately very much a supporting character in that as well, because only the mainstay uh editor approved Green Lanterns are kind of out there doing stuff. But Alan and the rest of the JSA battle against the reanimated Cal L, and that's L, just the letter L. The Earth, he's the Earth Two Superman. He's the old, yep. uh, Golden Age Superman mm-hmm. with the with the uh, Reed Richards hair, and the Black Lantern versions of the Dead Justice Members Society. Um, he also is one of the heroes who adds his power to the Black Lantern. Bomb, which is designed to destroy all the black lanterns in New York city. Uh, and in the final battle of the event, Jade is resurrected by the power of white light. His daughter, she was dead at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and Alan's there to witness. It's kind of his best moment, I think is when he gets to see Jade come back to light. And then we, uh, then we open up the doors to brightest day, but we're not going to talk about that because it's awful. The next thing that Alan's got does of importance is in the new 52. So Jason, what's the new 52?
1: The new 52 is where, uh, you know, just like in 1985, when the DC editors uh popped up. This time, the DC editors popped up as Barry Allen the Flash. And he wiped the DC universe out yep. of existence. <laughs> and they basically started from scratch, with the exception of Green Lantern. But uh in this version, they reintroduced the multiverse. So yes. now, where Alan Scott is, back on Earth 2. Because Alan Scott doesn't exist on Earth 1 anymore.
0: Yeah, Alan Scott's punted back over to Earth 2, where he's the only Green Lantern.
1: And he's a young man. But...
0: This version, he's young and sexy, mm-hmm. he's and he's
1: man. blonde. Um, well, he's always been blonde, even when he was old.
0: Well, but eventually, he get, like when he's sentinel, he gets white hair. No,
1: he keeps his blonde hair. Because Does of his he aging. have gray hair? No, nope, he never has gray hair. The idea is that the star heart like, basically keeps him ageless.
0: I thought he had gray hair.
1: No, he always has yellow yeah. hair. Blonde, gray, who yeah, can yeah, say yeah. every
0: blonde listening to this yeah. is livid right now. Uh, this version debuts in Earth 2, number three in 2012 with a sick new suit. Can I have an action for your spotlight, please? Action figure spotlight. Uh, They made this, like the entire Earth 2 line of action figures. Most of them. uh, Which one continues to baffle me to this day. Mm -hmm. Two, they're great looking action figures. And three, it's the coolest Alan Scott action figure that's ever been.
1: I agree. It's a cool so, costume.
0: I wanted to mention it because uh, there is shockingly a lot of Alan Scott action figures, but I'm I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be a little rude here and say I don't think there's a lot of good ones.
1: I used to have the classic one too. Uh, yes, you did. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, you sure did. What is uh, most special and notable about Earth Two New Fifty Two Alan Scott, besides the fact that he's a stone cold hottie, um, <laughs> is that this version of Alan Scott is the one who comes out as queer. So Alan Scott becomes our first openly gay Green Lantern.
1: And he's a railroad engineer again.
0: Which I love because it ties back into what's unique and special about him and the inspirations for the character in the first Mm -hmm. place. Jason, I want to ask you, is the only reason that DC Comics allowed Alan Scott to be gay because it was happening on Earth 2, thus it didn't really matter to mainstay DC continuity? Yep. Isn't that a bummer?
1: Yeah, that's because he was not the main uh, Green Lantern. Yeah. So that's why they did it.
0: Follow-up question. Yep. Um, From a storytelling point of view, um, what do you think about Alan Scott being gay?
1: Um, I don't mind it because I guess I'm not a huge, I'm not a big Alan Scott fan. So like he is a character, like you said, that like keeps being shunted to the side. So I don't don't mind if you rewrite his history. Um, My only problem with the retcon is the fact that, and I understand is the fact that his children have such a legacy in the DC universe as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So like that is a thing where I'm like, hmm, that there's complications with that. I'm not saying that's not solvable. And I'm also not saying that gay people don't have children. People can't have a conversation. I just know from my perspective. Mm -hmm. And when I came to comic books that his marriage and his kids were like a very important part of the character. Yeah. And so it's interesting that they were like, no, 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 that's all shunted to the side.
0: Yeah. My headcanon, for because i like alan scott being mm-hmm. gay um yeah i, th- I don't mind I think it either it makes, i don't have a problem with it. i think it makes him just from a storytelling perspective more interesting mm-hmm. than the 85 other green lanterns yeah. who are rolling around at any other time the way that i've sort of like make it make sense is that um she's the person that he loved like she's like sure. the woman that he really fell for and that's yeah. why he had children
1: yeah um but it, again like i said yeah. like that it's just like that prop but like i don't have any problem with me being, being gay And and I don't have any problem. I don't have any problem with it, to be honest with you. Um, You know, it it is interesting because again, we're talking about this is...
0: Well, I thought it was interesting enough. They punted it back over to mainstream continuity. This is
1: not the main continuity Alan Scott. No, this is Earth
0: 2 relegated to a pocket dimension It was enough of
1: a thing that they were like, well, let's make the main universe Alan Scott queer as well.
0: Yeah. So, um... Earth 2, which was a really, really good book. was a good book. uh, With phenomenal art throughout. um, Eventually canceled. And then for kind of the rest of the new 52, the same thing happened to Alan Scott that happened in the Silver Age. The same thing happened to Alan Scott that happened when he was reintroduced in the 90s and the aughts. He kind of just farts around and makes a bunch of cameo appearances. Well, actually,
1: no, he doesn't exist for a very long time. He's not in continuity for a very long time.
0: Until Mm -hmm. uh, we got our other soft reboot, DC Rebirth. And the current, um, at the time of this recording, Um, movement of the new golden age and the new golden age is basically an event uh, going on right now I'm going to try really hard not to spoil any of it because it is literally being published at the time of this recording um, where Justice Society members most particularly Alan Scott Jay Garrick and Wesley Dodds are being brought back into the forefront they've all been given their own series they are trying to uncover a mystery surrounding johnny thunder um and from a photo that dr fate had taken um and then give and that's subsequently given him a vision of lost children
2: mm-hmm.
0: so for any you jade stands out there uh you know keep uh keep looking for that um And now we're getting standalone series. So in the main series, Alan Scott miniseries, The Green Lantern, we see Alan Scott's version of his current timeline history. So we see flashbacks to him as a veteran, as a young man during and post World War II, including um, J. Edgar Hoover finding out about um, Alan's sexuality and some of his relationships. And I think this is where I'm going to wrap up this episode. Mm -hmm. Because, like I said, this is what's happening right now. We try not to do as many spoilers as possible. And we are about to speak to a man who is, dare I say, intimately acquainted with Alan Scott. Mm -hmm. We revealed him at the top of the show, but we'll do the official intro and reveal right after this break. Please welcome to Geek History Lesson, the architect behind Alan Scott, the Green Lantern writer of movies, TVs, and comics, including Netflix's Masters of the Universe, Tim Sheridan. Hi, Tim.
3: Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Now, I'm not going to do this all through the show, but I and I tend to try to not criticize the hosts for their wonderful, <gasps> generous introduction. However, since it is the Alan Scott episode, to introduce me as the architect seems like a missed opportunity when you could have uh, introduced me as the engineer. Mm.
0: Oh, you know what? Here, take Arch- two.
3: Architect is John Stewart, yes.
0: Please join us in welcoming to Geek History, Lesson, and the engineer behind Alan Scott, the Green Lantern, writer of movies and DVN and comics, including Netflix's Masters of the Universe, Tim Sheridan is joining us. Hi! <laughs> uh, that
1: was really good.
0: Thank you. I'm very good at picking up on subtle hints.
1: I feel (laughs) like just like Alan Scott, I went through a ripple
3: of the time change of the multiverse. We had a retcon right there We literally experienced a retcon. That's the close, by the way, that right there was the closest thing you're going to get to a retcon in my book. That's what I, that's how, that's how I see it. I just don't think of any of it as a retcon. I think, you know, there's, I have a million reasons why, but we'll we'll talk about that later. Well, Tim,
1: you've probably told this story a million times, but I'd love to hear this uh, for our listeners. What are your origins in comic books? Like, what what was like some of the first comic books you picked up, and then how did that transition into you writing comic books?
3: Well, it was a it was it was a long time before I got into writing comic books. Uh, uh, but when I was a kid. You know, I've been thinking a lot about this lately because I often say, you know, oh, the first comics I read were Batman comics. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that's true. Uh, And then I then I've often said, oh, no, wait, it was the Marvel's uh, Transformers comics. Those those were my first comics. And then I realized, you know what? That's actually not true. The (laughs) first (laughs) the first comics I ever read. Was it? Uh, it was a trade uh, paperback mm-hmm. that uh, m- uh, f- uh, my brother's friend had left. It was like a hand me down. He gave it to 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 us, and it was "Son of Origins" of Marvel Comics, and it had a ton of you know um, black and white reprints of just pencils, you know, reprints of every of all kinds of stuff. And I read and reread and reread. Uh, Iron Man's origin story uh, just over and over and over again as a kid. That was the first and he also he also gave me a comic book and it was a Thor comic that had Beta Ray Bill on the cover and I will remember that mm. always. Is it the one of him smashing the logo? I think it was. Yeah. I, yeah. I have to pull it up but I think that's what it was. It's a very famous mm-hmm, cover. Yeah. I don't, is it Walt Simonson? Yes it is. I, I, I believe that's, that. that's Beta Ray Bill's first appearance too. Oh, oh man! I wish I kept. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> as the as the anti Bill member of this podcast, this
1: conversation. Just hey, how me. dare you? Don't <laughs> you should always love a big space. Cow. He's so
3: scary. So, now, the, the important thing I think to take away from this is sort of how not exactly Marvel literate I am compared to DC, mm-hmm. although I feel completely DC illiterate all the time too. But um, but you know, when I say, oh yeah, Iron Man's origin. Like, I could not tell you the number. I could not tell you, like, off the top of my head. I couldn't tell you that that book was Beta Ray Bill's origin story because I was a, absolutely a DC kid in terms of comics when I started really religiously reading comics, which was Batman. Batman became the gateway for me there. Although, cartoons, which, you know, was where kind of I started, not only as a kid before comics but also as a in my career as a writer um that was i was all about spider-man and his amazing friends or as i called it spider-man and his amazing furniture wait what He, he had like in the, he had that amazing furniture in his apartment that like the couch turned over and it was a computer and then like something you know, he was a bachelor in the 80s in New York
2: but I actually
1: I actually thought that was a slight towards Firestar and Iceman which I was going to kind of
3: agree with you they are not true not true I fell in love with those characters on that show oh my god
1: so how did what was the transition from you talked about like all people don't realize like you you co-wrote or you you wrote the Batman the Long Halloween anime Animated features. You wrote this amazing. Uh, what well, I, I claim this, I think it's uh, one of the best Superman animated films. Superman: Man of Tomorrow. I think it's a mm-hmm. lot of fun, oh. and a lot of people slept on that film, and it's great. It did,
3: but th- but they've all been coming around, which is so cool. They've all been discovering it on Max. Yeah, and I get messages from people all the time uh, that this just brightens my well because they took it. the name of that universe that tom- they call it the Tomorrowverse now from yeah. your film. But how
1: did you go from writing these DC animated films to? You know, uh, coming on
3: board with you know Teen Titans and and Alan Scott. Well, first of all, let me tell you the weird thing about my life is that I was a little bit aimless. I was not aimless, but I just wasn't. I was successless in so many ways. And <laughs> that's not true, I, listeners. <laughs> well, no. At a certain point, I I, I was. It was a, just kind of like floundering, trying to figure out. I was too old to have to try to figure out what I was going to be when I grew up. And I was kind of in that place. I went and sat in the back of ballroom 20 at San Diego comic-con, which I'd been attending for years as a fan. And I watched the premiere of the flashpoint paradox Mm -hmm. movie, um, that James Tucker uh, made that Jim Krieg, uh, wrote based on Jeff Johns flashpoint book, uh, and Andy Kubert, And, um, I, uh, I walked out of that and I turned. I said to my friend who sat with me and watched that movie, I said, that's what I wanna do. And I didn't know what that meant. I had no idea what that meant, but within, I would say a few short years later, I was adapting Reign of the Superman for James Tucker and with Jim Krieg and these people who were responsible for the thing that made me sort of pivot my whole life and change my goals to go down that road and so uh, that's incredibly lucky and just incredibly fortunate charmed people would say i worked really hard to get there and i worked even harder to keep the door open once it was mm-hmm. open but um but things don't like things don't happen like that all the, all the time for everybody that's why i like to talk about it because it does feel wild and miraculous that i ever got here now because of that work, I worked on a show called Justice League Action, and the producer of that show is Butch Lukic. Butch came up on, uh, you know, with Bruce Tim on Batman the Animated Series, uh, Superman Animated Series, Batman Beyond. You see Butch's name is all over that show; his fingerprints are all over that show. And Butch produced Justice League Action, and he was after that show, he was going to make a movie for Warner Brothers Animation. And the lowest of the low hanging fruit at, of, of stories to adapt for for Warner Brothers Animation was the one that nobody wanted to make because they didn't know how to make it. And that was the Long Halloween.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
3: and Butch, who's just an amazing guy, was just like not intimidated in the least. He said, I'm gonna do it, let's do it. We're gonna do Long <laughs> Halloween. And, uh, and I had, um, I had Jim Krieg who was producing it knew that I had a real affinity for that story. I also had an affinity for hush and my friend, Ernie Altbacker got the job writing, adapting hush uh, for James Tucker. And, uh, and so when it came time to sort of dole out the assignment, Butch and Jim decided to bring me in on long Halloween. And I'm very, very grateful they did. Uh, It was an incredible experience. And that, led to writing Man of Tomorrow. We ended up releasing Man of Tomorrow before the long Halloween mm-hmm. because of a trick of Hollywood fate. Um but uh but then uh, that all of that work that I did led to my getting in the door at DC Comics as a comic book writer. And what uh what happened was and I'm I don't know if you've talked about this on the show before but I know you know about <laughs> Dan Didio's 5g initiative that mm-hmm. he yeah. <laughs> was putting in place and uh, famous or or infamous depending infamous, on how I you, would you for say. It, sure yeah <laughs> I, listen i was there i was in the room <laughs> i heard the pitch and i thought it was bold and exciting and it would have done some really cool stuff and i would have gotten to do some of it which would have been really cool um but here's the most important part i think of what dan was trying to do he brought in a whole room full of TV writers and TV writers who had had experience working with DC characters before. And he said, what the way I want to approach 5G is different than the way we create story in in the rest of the DC universe right now. I want to have a a group of writers who are accustomed to working in a room together, Mm. you know, not, and, and not even just a bullpen, but a real writer's room mm-hmm. where we would all break the overarching story for the year of all the titles that would be coming out over the course of the year. We would all work on that together and then we'd all go off and write our individual comics and we would have connections with each other to figure out where we were going to end up interweaving our stories and having them meet each other. And sort of in a way that with, with, with writers who, who are accustomed to that kind of system like TV writers um, where we would check our egos at the door Mm -hmm. and just, and be excited about working together and telling story together and And, give the universe a real synergy too. Yeah. 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 Yeah, And and I think that, you know, for all of the, when we say infamy that, you know, went Mm -hmm. along with 5g, that's the piece of it that nobody knows about that nobody ever talks about is that that was the way he wanted to have the stories be conceived and told. And that is really exciting. And we didn't get to do it, you know, Dan, uh, was let Oh, Bob Harris, you know, and, uh, and things kind of, you know, you know, continued in a similar way at DC to the way they've always kind of been done except when, um, Jeremy Adams, uh, who's currently writing the uh, Hal Jordan Green Lantern book and, uh, wrote a very famous run on the flash, which was his first, uh, job in comics. Um, Uh, Jeremy Adams and I came up with a story that would have incorporated the concept of the Flashpoint timeline. Mm -hmm. And and DC was excited about doing a miniseries with this idea. And when it got to be real, it got to the point where I said, I really feel like we need to call, somebody needs to call Jeff Johns and make sure that he's cool with us doing this. Because (laughs) I... Flashpoint is his, his thing. It's, it's his, his it, baby, yeah. Yeah, but
0: that's it's quite a courtesy in, in licensed comic books, honestly. True. Usually characters or concepts just kind of pop back up
3: because somebody said so. Yeah, and, and we didn't have... Uh, certainly, there. I don't think there was any official obligation to mm-hmm. do it. Um, uh, but I think everybody knew that it was kind of the right thing to do. I mean... Flashpoint is a big deal. I mean, look, Jeff is responsible for a lot of big swings and a lot yeah. of big stuff that's historic now to to uh, to DC canon. But um, but I I felt better knowing that. And then our editor had a great relationship with him, called Jeff. Jeff was on board with the very idea of doing a, a sort of sequel to Flashpoint, said uh, he would immediately volunteer that he would write issue zero to kick us off. And then when we all met, for the first time, by the way, I'd never met the man, but when we all met, everything was just going so well and we were so excited and everything was working and firing and we were all throwing story at each other. We ended up, Jeremy and I threw out the story that we were going to do because Jeff said, Hey, I want to just co-write this with you guys. And, you know, we were like, this is the greatest (laughs) opportunity that has availed itself is like, because it's a masterclass Mm -hmm. from someone who's Mm -hmm. been doing this a while, who's, who's, who arguably knows a thing or two about writing Uh, Comics. And so we just saw it as a great learning opportunity, but it turned into so much more. It turned into a a great friendship and uh, a great working relationship. The reason I tell that story okay. is because that <laughs> Jason's like, please get to the no, point. no 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 no. <laughs> <The> reason, <laughs> I, I was <laughs> the reason, if, if, you, if you're following along, if you were following along, what you may have gleaned is that that is basically the way that Dan Didio was pitching that we write comics, mm-hmm. that we had three writers in a room in a writer's room working on that story together. Mm-hmm. and writing or going off and writing and then sharing our stuff and rewriting with each other and then making the thing come to life. And that, Ended up being such a joyful experience. It led to the stuff that I'm doing now. And but now to Alan Scott. I'm just saying, yeah. Dan Didio had a had an I had a good idea with the the writers' room of TV writers. I can't there. wait
1: for all the news articles after this podcast comes out to where Tim Sheridan Tim Sheridan says Dan, Dan DiDio, Didio had a, has a great idea. idea. <laughs> Which, by the way, what? Dan, Dan
0: Didio has many, has ma- many great no, ideas. No, no, I mean that a as a fun no fun no. because Dan
1: Didio. I have yeah. mad respect for the man. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I do <laughs> think he's brilliant.
3: But I, but <laughs> 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 let me t- let me tell you. If that is the worst thing they write about me, then (laughs) have at it. Lately, it's been a re- don't don't dare. Sur- I mean, I know. Hopefully, you searched for this on YouTube by looking for Geek History Lesson, and not <laughs> looking for Tim Sheridan, because you don't want to see the hits that come up under Tim Sheridan right now. Oh no! People are people are coming after me hardcore. Okay, uh, well, like let's
0: know. let's get into why. So it's been seventy years since Alan Scotts had a solo series. So almost
3: seventy five. Yeah, cool. seventy four years. Why now, Tim Sheridan? Why now? <laughs> why now? Why now? Uh Well, everybody, I think you know who's around comics knows that uh Alan Scott uh first earth 2 Alan Scott mm-hmm. came out of the closet and then uh Alan Scott came out uh in the you know mainstream uh timeline and uh a- and a few years ago the thing is Alan has only that story hasn't really been told yet it's he sort of had a couple of pages here and there in other people's books and um and so it's, you know, it's like it was kind of inevitable that there was going to be an Alan Scott miniseries, at least, that would talk about, you know, him as a closeted gay superhero in the 1940s. Um, at least that would be part of his story. Uh, Flashpoint Beyond we set up a, a bunch of cool concepts very Jeff Johns type of concepts one of them was that many a, a bunch of characters had been removed from the DC timeline mm-hmm. that we all know and love and uh, and that they were reintroduced they had just they we reintroduced them. we put them back into the timeline and um, essentially like arguably the, the the conceit of that is that everything we've seen up to this point is the retcon and that you know that, that you that, said there
0: were no retcons tim you said there I were know. no retcons well,
3: <laughs> not in my book because technically then if you follow it through mine you know my story our story is uh supposed to be the way it was supposed to play mm-hmm. out mm. if the character of the Golden Age Red Lantern hadn't been removed from the timeline. Mm -hmm. This is a character who is Alan Scott's, uh, as the Green Lantern's, arch nemesis that we never knew about because, again, removed from time. But now, reinserted back in time, there are going to be some effects on Alan's life and his story that, you know, it might play out a little bit differently than, than we've seen before. Having said that, I am not in the business of retconning throwing out an entire life story of her character and just changing everything what i see it as is and what we're trying to do is just as an opportunity to add more layers mm-hmm. to alan's character i mean when you go back and read the golden age books yeah, it's not like they're really deep like there's not a lot of you know there, there has been in subsequent years mm-hmm. we've gone back and revisited mm-hmm. and added more layers to those characters in that time period this is just doing that again um based on the layers that have been created in the last you know, decade or more for, for Alan. Um, but, you know, those people on uh, that I'm talking about on YouTube, I mean, they, I don't, a lot of them I don't think are really they don't really keep up with comics, you know. They they have a political agenda and they're going after. They're the possible.
0: streak, the Wonder Dog super fans who want to know when Alan's dog sidekick mm-hmm. is going to be coming back into continuity. They they have leisure make
3: It's 30. a good. It's a good question. <laughs> but another good question they four? ask. <laughs> Issue <you> four. <laughs> spoilers. Uh, another <laughs> another good question they ask though is they ask about Jade and Obsidian. Yes. Uh, yeah. Alan's kids. Like, how can he? Ha- like, unfortunately, the question that a lot of people ask bless them is how can he have kids if he's gay and i'm like well I <laughs> yeah, like,
2: I, don't, yeah. It's not, it's not,
3: I don't want to explain biology but it does still mm. work it's not yeah. like that stops working um so so like they ask that they ask about molly Maine, mm-hmm. harlequin and the, mm-hmm. his marriage and um and there's there's two parts of that one is you know first of all my story the you know the as far as we're going is really 1941 you know molly maine didn't show up till 1947 um and so you know we still have world war ii and everything to, to to deal with so there's there unfortunately i don't have the real estate to sort of get into all those details in my story uh, until it becomes an ongoing which which it will that would mm-hmm. be fun yeah. um but uh and yeah, same thing you know w- with with uh you know what is it, the the Wonder Dog? Is that Streak is, the Streak, Wonder Dog, who, then gets who eventually renamed Rex.
0: eventually got his own series yep. and was yeah. renamed Rex. I think Rex is supposed to be his government name and Streak is supposed to be his superhero
3: I like name. that he has a secret identity, yeah. but I don't I didn't remember the Wonder Dog part of it. That's the thing. I don't know if the sleek. Wonder I,
0: Dog is the official oh, an official okay. name or just sort of what people have been calling him online yeah. in, no, in sort it. of a crypto fashion
3: <laughs> I, lo- I love it but um yeah so so that's that's kind of the thing and, and, and those are great questions, but just know from my perspective, even though I'm not necessarily addressing it like head on mm-hmm. because we don't we're not setting the story in the, those time frames, from where I sit, everything happened <laughs> it all happened yes. we're not changing the only thing that changed in alan's history is something that i didn't do which was something jeff did which was bringing the red lantern back into the timeline mm-hmm. so that's going to color and shade things maybe a little bit differently we have some new layers to look at but uh but the, the the major events of alan's life are you know are what they are as far as i'm concerned somebody else may come in and, and have a different opinion but what was That's
1: your relationship with uh, Green Lantern Alan Scott before you got assigned this book? Like, were you a fan of this guy or were you kind of like, mm, he's kind of sitting in the background? There's not enough Rex the Wonder Dog. <laughs> what, I mean, you know, Greek. how did you feel about Alan Scott before, again, writing words in this character's mouth?
3: Um, let me take you back to the beginning. First of all, growing up in the 80s, in a small town in the backwoods of Rhode Island, where we didn't have a comic book shop, um, I didn't know much about the JSA, and I didn't know much about Alan Scott. They weren't on my TV every day or every week, um, so m- my introduction came a little later. And it was sort of, you know, I knew who I knew who Hal Jordan was. Mm-hmm. I even knew who John Stewart was. Mm-hmm. I think before I really got a handle on. Alan Scott, which is stuff I had to kind of put together, piece together myself. Again, we didn't have the internet either. You know, it wasn't like you could just look this stuff up back then. So, um, so, so my exposure to Alan was so minimal as a kid and as a teenager. Um, but I came to know Alan from the comics, but mostly from from brief appearances in, uh, like, like we've seen in recent years, in other people's mm-hmm. books, in you know, as a side character in other stories. He fascinated me in that respect, but he was never like my was it know, the costume? Mm-hmm. The, well, I mean, it's the cape, the Phantom obviously. of the Opera style It's costume. the collar, it's the collar, <laughs> it's the collar and those boots. <laughs> those <laughs> boots. That collar on the cape is like unreal. Yeah, it's so cool. Has so much hairspray. Somebody makes one. <laughs> starch, starch, yeah, starch to. Those, Oof. Put those out. I've always wanted to bring back capes, and if I did, it would be that one. Okay, somebody
0: who's listening, who's a cosplayer, make Tim the cape, and he will. I'm gonna, I'm gonna volunteer you. He will wear it. Tim. to a major
3: convention mm-hmm. next year. I will
0: make. Oh,
1: yeah. I'll wear to every major convention. <laughs> I, I will make you this offer live on the air because I'm uh-huh. with you. I think capes should come back. I There's guess. a Seinfeld episode all and about not just this. For the opera, not just for the opera. I'll, I'll tell know, you what.
0: Everyday streetwear.
1: I'll, yeah. I'll make you this promise. If we if you go to a convention next year and you're mm-hmm. like I'm wearing a cape tell me if it's a nice
3: cape I'll wear a cape with you. Okay, we'll, Jason, we'll, has a we'll, superhero we'll, cape. we will we will double no, cape this up. Gonna ask, I was just going to ask because it sounds like you sound like a man who has at least one cape. Of course, I do. I
0: have a. Ca- I have it's, a, a Robin, su- it's a Superman cape. I have a Robin but. yellow cape yeah, yeah. too. So.
1: But I think it ne- I think it needs to be big and cloak like like Alan Scott. It needs to be like neutral. It needs, to, it needs to be a cape only for Tim or a cape only for Ashley or a cape only it's, for Jason. It's it's
3: almost like a Dracula thing though. Yeah. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Collar and you know it's so cool. It's the it's the
1: original. You know, like you know how um, Wall Street managers you know they dress to the nines so that they can mm-hmm. intimidate in capes. That's mm-hmm. what this is, but with capes. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) The higher your collar,
3: the more intimidating, the more
0: more your peripheral vision or the uh, higher
3: status you are. (laughs) I think think that's right. I do. We also, by the way, we kept the same style cape for the Red Lantern. Uh, I like the Red Lantern. (laughs) He's such a cool design. He's so cool. I mean, it's the same essential costume with a different color scheme, but uh, but he's just so, so cool.
0: Uh, in your a lot of your like public discussions about Alan Scott Green Lantern, including some of my very favorite videos that people might see if they're watching this clip on a familiar looking set, you've talked about how everybody deserves to see themselves in comics. Uh, tell me why that's become your mantra with this project.
3: Oh man, well I mean, look, I, you know, I try not to dwell on this stuff, but I, I mostly look. There's a lot of there are a lot of people out there who um, have. What I consider to be very backwards opinions about inclusivity and about diversity, um, you know, and representation in all forms of entertainment. Mm-hmm. And they unfortunately they're a, a very loud group of people, especially on certain social platforms. And, you know, the the previews for for Alan Scott number one came out, and this particular group just started making stuff up. Mm-hmm. Like they hadn't read the book. They were Taking stuff and twisting the context to, uh, you know, match an agenda that just is not what the story is and it's not what the book is. And that stuff drives me wild because, like, you know, at least read the story. If you want to have a problem with the story, read it and then, you know, we can have a discussion about it or you can just voice your opinion about it. But it seemed like it was um, done in bad faith as a, as an attempt to tank the sales of the book before it ever hit shelves. And that's just the kind of thing that I, in the past I have, um, I felt didn't necessarily have to do with the characters or the story, but had to do with the fact that I, the guy who's created it, it uh, that I am queer. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's their problem is who I am and who other queer creators are or other diverse creators. And so, uh in the past I have said, um, you know, stay quiet, they'll go away. They're not really the real fans anyway, so Mm -hmm. who cares? Mm -hmm. I have tried to live and let live and move on, and I have come to a place right now where I feel that that strategy doesn't work. I think, unfortunately, the only thing bullies understand is bullying, or at least standing up to bullies. And, uh, and I said, I, I gotta throw a punch. If I'm getting punched, I'm going to throw one. Um, that's, that's the kind of, I don't love that. That's the world we live in, mm-hmm. you know, but I think sometimes it's warranted. So, uh, yeah, I did go out there and make a couple of videos saying, Hey, here's what's happening. And if we want to prove that there's a market for these kinds of stories that, um, that we, uh, are, 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 are a real sort of force to be reckoned with and that people want these stories, then we need to buy this book. Get out there and buy it, you know? Buy the heck out of it. Buy as many copies as you can and give them to people who need them. But it was also important to me, like when I go out there as a guy who participates in the success of the book through royalties, mm-hmm. it. I didn't want it to look like I'm just trying to get people to buy the book so I can line my pockets, you know? <laughs> um, so I said, you know, it's for me, I'm I'm very fortunate. Uh, my life is... is you know, I I, like I was saying earlier, I feel charmed to be able to live the life that I live. And it is absolutely, uh, it, you know, not, not only doable, but for me, it was essential to promise and pledge to give every dollar of in royalties that I make off of these six issues of of Alan Scott, the Green Lantern, to charity. Um, so it's not me out there trying to line my pockets. At least the money's going to charity. And and we're making a point, I think. We're taking a stand and we're standing up to bullies and voting with our wallets. That's what we should do.
0: Also, by contrast, when we announced that you were coming on this podcast, we had really, really positive uh, comments from our listeners. And when you came on Enter the Poppers with me, we debuted a page from issue one, a very sexy page from issue one. And Everyone was very excited. So there is good
3: there is oh. good, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, I am so heartened by, I mean, I'm going to cry if I start talking about it, but the number of people who have welcomed n- welcomed the book before it ever came out mm-hmm. and reached out and have supported the book. Big, big name creators in comics, too, got out there. I hadn't read the book yet. Uh, but knew what I was doing, knew what Kian was doing, and 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 you know we're out there talking about it and and in a positive way. But the fans and the reaction has been incredible. Now, see the the book came out, of issue one came out, and uh, you know it was after I I I you know made my video talking about the haters, and the worst thing in the world would have been for that book to come out, and I think for people to be like you know meh. You know, we don't really find whatever, but that was not <laughs> happily. That was not what happened. I mean, it, 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 uh, the reaction has been overwhelming, you know, it's been overwhelming. Um, and the reviews have been so good that I'm terrified. Cause I'm like, how can you, <laughs> how can you possibly, you know, keep going, keep that energy going? So there will be, Ebbs and flows, but yeah, issue two is even
0: better because I got to read it early and I texted Tim and I told him how good it was.
3: (laughs) I think I really appreciate that. You know, we've got, we, we, you know, DC did something really smart, I think. They sent to reviewers issue one and two. Mm Um, and, uh, you know, when they sent issue one, they sent issue two as well. And I think what I've been getting, I get a lot of feedback. I've been hearing a lot of stuff. Also a little, just rumblings here and there. Someone will say something. If you read some of the reviews, you'll see they they will like, we can't talk about issue two yet, but it's really exciting and you should keep, keep reading. Um, so it seems that it's been really welcomed in a big way. I know, um, you know, I don't have any information on sales numbers, but I was asking, uh, my my contacts at DC a couple of days ago, I said, you know, just like, how are we doing? Are people picking it up? You know, because I, I keep anecdotally hearing about stores selling out, mm-hmm. which is great on one level, but also, you know, I want this book in the hands of as many people mm-hmm. as possible. So, you know, you, you, you almost don't want it to, sell out you if you do sell out you want more copies to get printed and and to have them get into people's hands but uh, lots of places have sold out certainly of certain covers yep. some of the great we have incredible covers on this book i mean i almost feel like we could i could just stop working and f- put blank pages inside the book because those <laughs> covers alone would sell it kian and i would go sit and sip cocktails on a beach and not have to worry about uh people buying the book because of those covers um but yeah, it's uh, it, it's 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 been you know the 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 those anecdotal stories have been great, but then hearing from DC that like you know it, it's been doing pretty well, um, I can't. Quote anything. I won't say anything, but it's been doing well. So, that's so great. Tim, I want to I
1: want to end this with you know getting it back into like writing Alan Scott because this is a character. I know you you've you've teased that you know you tried to ask DC that on the cover you tried to make the tagline there's no retcons inside and they said no no we're not going to do that. You said
0: we're DC Comics. We simply cannot. We, say that. we, we can't promise that we're
1: DC Comics. No, there, <laughs> the final issue is a crisis. There's of Alan probably Scott. a retcon inside. We're DC <laughs> Comics. Um, but uh, you know Alan Scott has he has a lot of ret cons. He has a very complicated history. You know, he's been married. He's not married. He was an earth two character. He's not an earth two character. He's old. He he's he's sentinel. He was not he's sentinel. <laughs> sentinel. He's, he's partly magic. He's not magic. Maybe he, he owns a broadcasting t- channel. Uh, maybe he's a railroad engineer for you. You're, you're diving into this. And I know, you know, you're diving with his early years. You're, you're dealing with, you know, this is early Alan Scott early in his heroic career, but for you as a writer, what helps you, when you're dealing with a character with such a complicated continuity that you sort of have to tiptoe around in and also, and also
3: serve. I mean, I just come to guys like you uh, who <laughs> tell me everything I need to know. About I said Rex, the wonder dog. You didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, I, you know, here's the great thing about Alan Scott and a lot of these, you know, these JSA characters they have such a long lifespan mm-hmm. and this long history in publication that it's not outside the realm of possibility that it's all true, that everything is true, that all the pieces that maybe didn't seem to fit together, that they can fit together. Um, one of And I've always looked at it, maybe to answer your question, I've always looked at it not as a challenge, uh, but as an opportunity to maybe have some fun with making a connection that wasn't made specifically before. Um, That's a kind of a thing that we've seen Jeff Johns do a lot. I think maybe I sort of learned that from him. Um, You know, Alan Scott's power set is Mm. when you read all American comics, number 16, which by the way, DC put out a reprint facsimile edition the same day it came out as our issue one. And it's, so it's on shelves and I encourage everyone to pick it up and read it because there's so much in there that is referenced and is a part of issue two, uh, which is out this week, issue two. Uh, So please, uh, if you're picking up issue two, maybe there's copies of all American 16. It's going to be a a fun thing to kind of read both of those together. Um, They, um, you know, when you look at his power set, it, it, it's very bizarre and mm-hmm. it's not what you expect from a Green Lantern. And there haven't been very satisfying, I think, explanations for why that is throughout the course of... Of uh, of of his history and, and throughout the canon. Don't talk so, about our
0: podcast like that, Tim. That's not true.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, I'll say what I want. No, so, so that's been so it for Tim Sheridan. And everybody, yeah, thank you yeah. so much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so one of the things that I thought was important and that I really wanted to do because it's fun is to maybe try and use the twist in time that brought us to this mini series. the the twist in time that brought the Red Lantern back into continuity and into Alan Scott's life, to use that as a platform to try to make some connections between that weird power set and the rest of the Green Lantern Corps and what all that means and what it could mean for the future. And I think when we end this series, what I hope is that people will think about the Green Lanterns Lanterns and the Green Lantern Corps um, a little bit differently. The, you know, we're going to leave you with some stuff that maybe other creators will pick up and run with in the future, you know, or if we get to continue, we'll, we'll play around with some more, but there are some, some big things that we're going to put out there that I think help make sense out of a lot of the questions that have existed for so long. Nice. Well,
1: Tim, uh, GeekHistros in here, we are so proud of your success. Uh, we we give Alan Scott Green Lantern, number one, this GHL seal of approval. So if you haven't read the issue, go buy it digitally. We,
0: we give number two the seal of crying. Yep. And, and number two good. is
1: in stores <laughs> and available digitally right now. Tim, can you... Tell our listeners where they can find you online in case they want to, you know, give you a mad shout out to be like, hey, when is Rex the Wonder Dog going to appear in the
3: series?
1: (laughs) Get off your ass.
3: (laughs) If if you want Streak or Rex or whoever he is, yeah, you you, you can reach out to me that way. But, you know, if you want to say nasty things, just don't find me. There you go. Yeah. 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 Um, You uh, you You can can find him at at Elon Musk on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) It's called X, oh, sorry. It's not. Sorry. <laughs> it's not, not. It's not. It's <laughs> not. I will never call it X. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you can find me, you can link to everything off of TimSheridan.com. Nice. How's that? That's, That's easy, right? It's very
1: simple. <laughs> That's very simple. Well, Tim, uh, so happy to read more Emerald Issues, and thank you for joining us here on Geekish Lesson.
0: Thank you so much to Tim Sheridan for joining us here on Geek History Lesson. Thank you, Tim. That's the only reason I was here.
1: All right, Ashley, I'm out. See you later. All
0: right, goodbye. Yep. can't wait to wrap this episode up right. on my own. Please pray later. for me. All right, yeah, bye. bye, bye. So your recommended reading, which is if you go over to uh, geekhistorylesson.com slash recommended reading, and you want to read anything to continue your knowledge of Alan Scott, you can click on your widgets and pick them up in your format oh, hey, of back. choice.
1: I just forgot my phone. Sorry.
0: Oh, okay. Bye. Uh, thanks. Bye. Yeah, I appreciate your contributions. You um You have to get this first one secondhand, but it is well worth getting It is the DC Archive Edition Golden Age Green Lantern Volume 1. It is the only complete Alan Scott from his Golden Age debut series of stories. I'm also going to recommend Justice Society of America, a celebration of 75 years. It's all of your best hits of your JSA characters, including some great standalone issues. I'm going to recommend Earth 2 Volume 1, The Gathering. That is where you get the introduction of queer Alan Scott that inspired my final recommendations. This is a pre-order at the time of this recording. Alan Scott, The Green Lantern, Volume One by Tim Sheridan and Kian Tormey. That is the collection of his new Golden Age hey, well, miniseries. Sorry, what was, that? What was that?
1: What'd you say about Tim? You're going
0: to have to listen back to this no, no, to no, get no. there. Uh, no, no, no.
1: Okay, well, I'll stick around. If you're going to still talk about Tim Sheridan, the amazing Maestro, I'm going to stick around.
0: Absolutely. Okay. So uh, right. I'm going to read Tim Sheridan's honor roll right now. Oh,
1: right! <laughs> wow! <Would> you... <Red! laughs>
0: uh, uh, I should I should have planned that. I should have asked him to write one. <laughs> oh, that's
1: so funny. Uh, well, <laughs> listeners, you know what the honor roll is. If you want to your name and your review read live, in, whatever live in the air go write a five-star review on apple podcast or wherever you are listening to this podcast right now uh if it's on apple podcast we'll screenshot it we'll talk about it and we'll thank you uh for boosting us into the apple algorithm or if you're somewhere else get us take a screenshot and send it to geekhershlesson at gmail.com so ashley who's joining the honor roll this week
0: joining the honor roll today is daoud who says two experts in stuff teach each other and us stuff and stuff. That's accurate. Very accurate. I love it when an informative podcast pairs up an expert and a noob. So they represent both endpoints of the audience. The topics are on trend and relate to something that's about to happen in real time. And it's still fun. Even when they don't the hosts alternate who gets to play professor each week. So they both get to have fun and we reap the lion's share of the benefits. I think I'm mixing metaphors here and I hope that that makes sense. Bottom line, come listen to this podcast, learn something, And you'll have some fun and laughs along the way. You won't be sorry. So thank you so much, Dawood F., for your very, very kind five-star review. Uh, Welcome into the Teacher's Lounge. And Professor Jason, what's going on in there today?
1: Uh, Metalworking.
0: And who's teaching that?
1: Well, Mr. Scott is.
0: But, Mr. Scott. He's yeah. not a professor. I
1: don't trust this. he an adjunct? This. No, he's not a professor. He's an engineer. He's a ra- railroad engineer. You here to here first, he folks.
0: Railroad engineers can't be professors. <laughs>
1: <laughs> how dare you. Uh, <laughs> Jason Edman how dare you. How dare you disparage me to the fine, upstanding railroad engineers out there. If
0: you're a railroad engineer, please email us. at gmail.com and send a cool photo.
1: They have a lot of time to sit in a cab. So, like, I hope if I hope we have a railroad engineer listener out there. Yeah. They, I mean, they have a lot of, they would have a lot of time for podcasting would, as they're enjoying the rails. I would truly
0: be honored. I love a train.
1: I would too. <laughs> uh, so if you want to join them, go over to any of the podcasts, lovely places, download, subscribe, tell your friends about this podcast. That is the greatest way for this to grow, especially on your friends on Reddit. Posts are everywhere on Reddit about Geek History Lesson, especially yeah. this episode. Ashley, uh, where can they suggest future lessons? Like some of the fine listeners have suggested those before. You
0: can be beautiful, sexy people like our TAs on this episode by going to geekhistorylesson.com, facebook.com, geekhistorylesson.com. Geek History Lesson on Twitter at GHL Podcast and on Instagram and TikTok at Geek History Lesson. Too
1: many things. So where, many things. Where, where uh, should they follow you on the on one social media? Where, where's, what's the one social media that you'd like them to follow you at?
0: Um, I would like you to follow me on Instagram, but you can find me on all the things at Ashley V. Robinson. The V is very important.
1: Mm-hmm. How about you, Jason? You can go follow me on Instagram at Jawin, J-A-W-I-I-N. I'm also on threads with the same exact place. And now it's time for Stick Around. Yeah, that's right. When you suck through all the plugs, you get to hear more. Ashley, what are we talking about? Hashtag stick around. Jason. Yeah. Serious question. <laughs> okay.
0: Is it time to bring back Streak the Wonder Dog? Did he leave? Well, he hasn't been in continuity since.
1: No, I mean in our hearts. Has he left?
0: <laughs> Not in our hearts. <laughs> he, he, in, I, in he's the hearts of the DC editors. He's
1: obviously left your heart if you think he's got to come back.
0: I've replaced him with Streaky the Wonder Ashley, Cat. What can how I say? how dare you? Streaky the Super Cat.
1: Um, It'd be funny to have a reference to him
0: it'd be funny to put him on uh like the uh S- league of super pets or something like that yeah but just, he's like the old dog
1: what was his, the st- with his name is streak and his name what are we, rex this is his rex. like government name i think he has to be rex yeah because we have streaky we can yeah. so now i mean i'm rex looking the wonder dog i'm looking at an action figure of streaky yes in this various room so um yeah i think he has to be rex rex the wonder dog it won't work with emerald rex the rex the Emerald Dog.
0: Yeah, doesn't work. Would you buy a Rex action figure to go with your various and sundry? Yeah.
1: Heck yeah! Super,
0: <laughs> super. I want, super pets? I, I want,
1: I want Rex. I want Kanga. I want. Um, give me a tiny gorilla grod, Whatever oh my you God. want.
0: yes, a tiny gorilla. But,
1: you know, give me, give me, you know, tiny baby gorilla grod. Give me all those weird DC animal people. I'll take them. Yeah.
0: Weird DC animal people.
1: Well, some of them are like I don't know what you call them. Anna, Anna. Ho- anahemoid anthropomorphic well you know they actually call them like animoids or nope. humanoids or whatever I don't know it's interesting
0: and then there's Buddy Baker but that's a story for another time
1: yeah we've never done a Buddy Baker nope you can request it though please don't <laughs> Please don't. I'm Animal, the, Man's I, Animal Man's great. Animal Man's fine. What is wrong? With you? What is your problem with Animal blonde white male DC superhero? What's I'm putting both you on my, the wrong. What's my problem with blonde white men? With, well, how with, much time no. do you have? Blonde white DC superheroes. I'm talking about Aquaman. Uh, I'm talking about your buddy Bakers. I'm talking about your Alan Scott's. I'm talking about look, your look, booster Gold. Look, Jason. I'm talking about your uh, Jason uh, William
0: Inman. There's booster gold. There's only, I'm talking about your
1: Alan Scott's. There's
0: only room for one Aryan blonde super. Superhero from DC Comics in my heart, it's and just, Michael John Carter has has really yeah has really shored that, oh, that, that that up. Sense. I
1: could I could tell your uh, your derision against Alan Scott. <laughs> listen, I could tell. <laughs> I, could
0: I actually, I will say, I learned a lot of really fascinating things during this episode. Okay. Uh, I really enjoyed doing this episode, and I'm so grateful that people wanted to hear it.
1: All right. Cool. Well, thank you all for listening. This has been Geek History Lesson. I am Jason. Bring back Rex, the Wonder Dog,
0: Inman. I am Ashley Victoria Robinson. Professor
1: Ashley, will you please close out this Emerald episode?
0: Class is now dismissed.